Hello and welcome to the Ballot Box global election coverage from a team of political scientists. I'm Jonathan Parker in London. I'm Chris Terry in Manchester. I'm Andres Besser in New York City. Hello and uh, welcome to a new episode of the Ballot Box. Today we're going to talk about the Faroe Islands and the most recent early parliamentary elections that were held on December 8th. They saw the political comeback for former Prime Minister Axel Johansson uh, and his Social Democrats. The elections were, were called early after the governing center-right coalition collapsed. Major issues included abortion and LGBTQ rights, relations with Russia and inflation. So even though it's a small country, it of course faces the same sort of issues and, and political questions that other, that other um, polities do as well. And then uh, it, there, there was also an issue of the perennial uh, issue of independence that was largely missing from the agenda. So this is going to be a really interesting episode about an interesting, although small, part of the world. But before we do that, let's say hi to Chris and Johnny. Um, one of the nice things about our podcasts, or one of the odd things, is that we move around the world, but we still <laughs> manage to meet up pretty regularly and deliver to you analysis and news about elections. So, Chris, where have you just flown in from? Um, I've just come back from Romania, visiting my partner's family for kind of pre-Christmas stint. So it was very pleasant. We um, started off in Alba Iulia, which was where Romania was um, unified um, 103 years ago now. Um, and then made my way to Bucharest. I literally just landed back um, a couple of hours ago, <laughs> like fresh out of a taxi. Nice, good. Um, was there a lot of cherry cherry liquor? Um, there was, there was. Um, yeah, and we yeah did a lot of cake tasting and yeah Germany had a good time <laughs> amazing yeah. amazing jealous, jealous already I, I love that I love that cherry liquor it's amazing um and uh, Johnny, Fishinata, yeah yeah <laughs> and, and Johnny's uh also moved around but he's he's currently in the U.S. right so yes yeah I'm in you? Washington D.C. currently um yeah so I'm visiting my my partner's just moved here so we're here for a bit um we also next next time we're recording this, I will be in New York. We're moving around a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 nice. I've never been of a belly. I've done any of the US before. I've never never been here before, and I'm quite pleasantly surprised actually. A lot of people seem to go on about how boring DC is, but I quite like it actually. It's it's nice. I, I really yeah, like yeah. DC, but, yeah. mm. but yeah, I think it's particularly appealing if you're kind of politics nerd. To be fair. Every, so. You sit down in a cafe, everyone around you is talking about politics. I've never been anywhere like this. This mm. is really, really weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The only yeah. other place I've been like that is like in a Brussels. Yeah, <laughs> no, imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. just weird. But yeah, it's um yeah, it's 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 nice so far. And and weirdly is is warmer than England, um, which was not expecting. But yeah, that is weird. Mm. It shouldn't it shouldn't mm. be. <laughs> oh, a shout out to politics and prose. If you can make it there, it's a fantastic bookshop. Yeah. Um, specializing in in politics, as you know, right. as it would be, as you'd expect from a from a famous bookshop yeah. <laughs> in DC, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I'm in Colombia, um, so we have moved around quite a bit, mm -hmm. but we're still here delivering news of, and analysis on the Faroese election. Yeah, so, and I think we, we might actually be the only people talk, breaking this news in English. To be honest, I, 
I, I think, think it's quite possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm really weird. Yes, full so, arrows. Nobody's talking about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's still a fascinating place. Um, mm. So, uh, constitutional setup. Will will we defer to Chris or Johnny for this? Um, well, let's let's like. Well, uh, Chris, is your your beat if you want to step in? I can oh, step I, take anything else. I'll, I'll be absolutely it. honest. I don't know much about the, the, <laughs> the constitutional setup. Uh, you will not. So you really will not hear, I haven't had time to read the doc. <laughs> so, this is you will you not ahead. hear Chris say this very mm. often about a country's constitutional mm. setup. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah. Chris, Chris knows. Uh, the Danish constitutional setup, but it's not radically different. Um, it's also not radically different from the uh, Greenlandic setup that we talked about um, last year. Um, at this point, um, we have a parliamentary system. We have a so we have a, a little a little legislature, thirty three members, um, elected by um, open lists, um, which is called the Lugting. Um, and this it claims to be one of the oldest parliaments in the world. Um, that's still functioning today um, dates back to kind of Viking times. Um, so yeah, so you you there's no kind of official threshold. You'd have to win as many votes for qualify for one seat. Um, but given that there's only mm -hmm. three seats, this works out at about just a bit over three percent of the vote generally need to get into mm -hmm. uh, into a seat in Parliament. Um, uh, and it's 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 like an at large district so the 33 seats are selected on a nationwide basis mm. it didn't used to be the case it used to be before 2008 there used to be different constituencies but um some of the parties got a bit annoyed that this was creating like kind of uh, quite a lot of disproportionalities so this was shifted to this kind of uh, nationwide system that you'd find in like the netherlands or israel or whatever um as well but yeah i mean suffice to say we've already said this is a quite a small um legislature um but comparatively very small this is a very small country population is 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 around fifty four thousand. um so this is this is a very democracy in a very small place and i think it was probably a good idea to just like reinforce this kind of sense of scale because often we talk about politics here in quite a similar way as we would larger countries and about like kind of campaign issues and coalition formation and party um infighting and stuff you remember this is infighting with about five or six people in your parliamentary party, um, etc. People that relationships are a lot more personal, not just between the politicians, but also in terms of the um relationships with the voters as well. And it's probably also more likely in a lot of cases that um politicians have other interests outside of parliament in a kind of not not in a necessarily like a corrupt way, just because this is a really small setup right so they're probably gonna be doing other stuff there's quite a few of them that are also like you you read like the biographies and they are also like prominent business people in the Faroe islands or quite often weirdly like they're prominent sports people and like they play on like multiple national teams and stuff like this as well and um, so yeah this is uh it just, just to sort of get a sense that this is a this is a very small democracy although it's is quite a uh well-functioning one um as well um yeah Mm -hmm. So on the uh, is it Tajerpa's rule the rule of the um, uh, square root of the population? Do we know how how big or small the parliament is? Thirty three member legislature. Oh, bad question to ask. But um, yeah, let's go take some like, quick maths. But, Sorry, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, um, I think this is, I, th- I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but I think this is about right um, for, the, for the site. I mean, it's, yeah. It, smaller, any, if it's any smaller than 33, you can't really do right. what Parliament should be doing, right? Like, because you it needs to, yeah, there's a, you get to a point where you can't be too small, otherwise it's not got the capacity to do anything, but yeah. That's so, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember I remember having, um, when we recorded like uh, the episode on Barbados, which was mm. fascinating that the Senate has, it, it just meets in like a regular room. Um, yeah. There's so few people. That's oh yeah, weird. no, look at pictures of the of the Lugting as well is always quite um, amusing because um, yeah, it is, it is a tie. I mean, they have, there is a special kind of place for it, but it's just not, it's not mm-hmm. big enough for it to look particularly grand. I mean, from the outside, it's just a little yeah. house kind of thing. Yeah, it's... Um, <clears throat> This yeah. is, yeah. In, in a way, this, the smaller scale is much closer to, like, I, I guess, like, 19th century ideals of, of mm. representat- representation and stuff, um, where politicians were maybe less, prof- you know, they, they had to have different hats because mm-hmm. of just the scale. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, we should also probably to say with the Constitution that, yes, this is not a uh, sovereign state, um, although it is pretty autonomous. Um, so most domestic policy is, is decided in the Faroe Islands, but this is part of the um, the broader kind of kingdom of Denmark, uh, one of the kind of constituent uh, elements of, of, of that, um, along with Greenland and Denmark um, proper. Um, but obviously this is not, um, it, the UK is obviously is imbalanced, but this is not as imbalanced as this, like these, these make up uh, like 50,000 compared to like about 5 million in Denmark. So this is not like, Proportion wise, this is, this is incredibly tiny, and they largely they largely kind of um, self governing. They're, they're very far away from Denmark, and they um, Denmark kind of handles the kind of defence and foreign affairs and stuff. But they largely internally self govern, and they, they send uh, two MPs to the um, to the Danish Parliament um, as well. Uh, so, but as does as does Greenland. Um, but I think as Chris mentioned in the Denmark podcast, they those MPs tend not to vote too much on many things they tend to have a little bit of a i think that they're legally allowed to but they tend to sort of reserve themselves yeah. matters where they uh yeah they tend not to I vote on them. on what might be called domestic issues mm. uh, yeah, I mean, most of what the danish parliament does that actually affects them now is to do with foreign affairs and defense so mm. they mostly tend to vote on on, on that as well as they will kind of participate in confidence votes and danger governments, but mm. um, yeah, okay. yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Not and necessarily and because, legislation because mm. these aren't the same parties either. Um, as in Denmark, it's a completely mm. separate party systems. None of the Danish parties run in the Faroe Islands. Um, they have a lot of the parties do have these kind of fraternal relations with some parties mm. in Denmark. Um, but yeah, they are, they're entirely kind of independent organizations and it's an entirely distinct party system um, kind of going on. Um, this dates from after the uh, after the Second World War, um, this kind of current setup. Um, in 1949, there was this uh, Home Rule Agreement, which was uh, which was passed, um, which which kind of has, has remained largely unchanged since then. Um, the, the sort of allowed this kind of setup of, of, of pharaohs largely governing themselves within the um, within the Danish realm, um, and yeah, this was a, this was a consequence of the fact that during the war, the 
the um, the UK occupied the Faroe Islands because um, Denmark was occupied by Germany. Um, and in this period, Faroe Islands essentially became disconnected from Denmark, became fairly self-governing um, in this period, and was a kind of spike in support a bit for um, for independence. Um, you have a referendum in 1946, um, which was resulted in favour of independence by 50.7%. Um, so this was very close, obviously. It was hardly a kind of resounding endorsement of the idea. It also featured a lot of like spoiled ballots and things like this. And the situation seemed like um, there wasn't like a clear mandate for the uh, the parliament to take away at the time. Um, and the Danish um, king and government um, refused to recognize the results partly on this basis um, and called for new parliamentary elections, which were won by these pro-union parties. Um, so it was a kind of like compromise, I guess, at this point, this kind of settlement came out of having um having a kind of advanced home rule within uh within Denmark um has kind of come out of this and while there has been significant probably about 40 50 percent of people have always kind of consistently maintained a support for independence on the whole um this is it's it's kind of been relatively stable uh kind of constitutional settlement um for the for the for the most time um so yeah so it's it's kind of it, Kind of um yeah I, and obviously one point is that is that they are as we've mentioned tiny which is always going to be a bit of a reason for caution on independence Faroese is like to have like these we could distinct language etc they're very far removed from Denmark but for many this kind of uh, sort of semi-sovereign status and having like this kind of wide ranging kind of home rule has has been reasonably satisfactory although um it's obviously not deterred large numbers from still uh, thinking that a kind of uh, full independence would be the best option. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. Um, is there any talk of doing another referendum? Uh, not at the moment. It's not sort of like it's not seen to have been a massive issue in the last few elections. The last time that it really came prominently on the agenda was in the 1990s. Um, De Denmark, did, so the Faroes actually got, um, weirdly did quite well out of the Cold War because it's quite a strategic point in the North Atlantic. And especially like the Danish government, NATO, et cetera, invested a lot of money in kind of in that. Um, and that collapsed kind of, the end of the Cold War kind of shook things up a little bit. And there was also a really big, it coincided with this really big kind of banking crisis where the Danish government kind of had to bailed out some of the banks um, uh, in, in that period as well. Um, and that kind of, that kind of uh, caused a bit of a shift towards independence in that period. Uh, so we had like an independence sort of um, focused government formed um, as well. And there was a period where there was, there was quite a lot of um, kind of agitation for it, but then it also sort of the economy improved, things died down a bit um, and, uh, the, there was there was some kind of minor constitutional reforms and stuff in the 2000s, which which uh, seemed to kind of uh, put the issue back on the back burner for a little bit as well. Um, another thing is kind of coordination of the pro-independence side, because it's really divided chiefly between two parties, one of which is quite left wing and one of which is a kind of party of the centre right. And they um, 
especially in the last two decades, have found it very difficult to uh, to work together very closely um, on a lot of these things. So there's kind of substantial substantial issues in the way of of the parties coming together to uh, to uh, be in a position to hold such a referendum um, as well. Yeah, it's kind of a four party system where you have two on the left, two on the right, two independent, two pro independence, two anti independence. Mm. Kind of like um, I think Greenland has the same thing, if I recall correctly. It's a uh, yeah, interesting formation. Yeah, and um, yeah, and most governments for the past, almost all governments have been either kind of left or right coalitions generally, rather mm. than um, independence or anti independence. Uh, coalitions yeah uh, uh, yeah i mean ultimately at the end of the day almost regardless of where you are most policy making comes down to kind of questions of tax and spend mm. so it kind yeah. of makes sense that, that would happen and especially when you're in a situation where you have authority over this i mean this was a bit if there was more mm. a bit more of a limited autonomy settlement then you don't need to think about your kind of economic issues quite so uh, significantly However, you really do. You don't, can't just form a base, a government. The government has to do things. It has to put forward through all the policies, not just mm. an independence referendum. Um, and so to get into that position, you have to be able to be close enough on other issues to agree to form a government um, which can do other things other than legislate on referendum. Um, so this is one of the strengths of the Scottish independence movement is that it is pretty united on a... On a kind of socio-economic kind of background as well, um, in, in general, whereas the uh, and kind of what you want to do with independence, there's a kind of broad agreement on on that, um, which just doesn't really exist in the Faroes um, on that sense. Even though the kind of levels of support is probably roughly similar. Um, and kind of going back to the to the uh, to the parties, what do I remember? Your dissertation is about sm small world. Right, small worlds. Would this party system be considered a small world party system? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is one of the one of the most distinctive in in Europe, at least. Um, in that, yeah, it's completely, completely. I mean, it is is kind of nested in Denmark in in some ways, but yeah, it's it's completely different party system. So we have, as as Chris said, we have four principal parties, and then there's a, a few small ones. Um, but yeah, they they none of them are relate are uh, connected to the to the Danish parties in in a formal way. Um, so the biggest party this election was the Social Democratic Party, um, which is as it is has links with the Danish Social Democrats, but is very much an independent party um, and is kind of the more centre left is the more moderately pro uh, union party um, pro union with Denmark. And that has normally governed uh, along with uh, Republic, which is a, um, as the name suggests, is pro independent Faroese Republic, um, and is is uh, quite passionately pro independence, but is also it's kind of like a kind of its main Danish equivalents are these kind of like the parties, the kind of like eco socialist parties, like the Socialist People's Party or whatever. Um, it's kind of yeah on that kind of like. Uh, sort of socialist left kind of agenda um, as well. Um, and those two parties have tended to govern together most of the time, even though they have different opinions on the um, independence issue. Um, on the right, there was this, the Union Party, which supplied the outgoing prime minister, um, which is uh, the most 
as the name suggests, the most committed to the, the union with Denmark um, and is the kind of uh, sister party of um, Venstre, the, the kind of one of the largest parties in uh, Denmark proper, which we talked about in the Denmark episode a few weeks ago, um, as kind of centre-right agrarian type party. Um, and they have normally governed with the People's Party, which are a which is another pro-independence party, but it's um, much more uh, socially conservative, much more, especially much more economically liberal um, as well. It's been, it's been that, um, and as, as but it was founded as a kind of pro-independence force back in the 1930s um, as well. Um, so yeah, so these have always been the main four parties. Have some little. Um, the little kind of side parties, one which um, actually for the first time fell out of parliament this time was the self-government party, which was one of the kind of two original Faroese parties back at the start of the 20th century, which was a kind of pro-liberal, pro-autonomy party, but has long been kind of sidelined by more kind of radical independence parties, like the People's Party with a breakaway from the self-government party and stuff like that as well um yeah but in general like these these four have have dominated Faroese politics for quite some time now um for since the uh since the second world war at least these have been the four biggest um, and have sort of all been sort of involved in kind of alternating governments uh left and right um one of the more kind of prominent ones recently which has been really relevant um been really relevant to this election is uh the center party which isn't a despite the name is not like a particularly centrist party it's also not um an agrarian party like the norwegian or swedish center parties um this is quite a, a hardline kind of uh conservative christian party um it's it's the the pharaohs are given i mean as probably would not be entirely surprising given that they are very kind of isolated rural um small society are actually fairly socially conservative so you have um you have sort of legal positions on social issues especially lgbtq plus rights and abortion in particular it's actually quite hard to get abortion in the Faroe islands uh, it is legal but it, it's very restricted circumstances um they are, are a fair bit behind um mainland Denmark um and indeed the rest of Western Europe generally um, um although in the in the last couple of decades there's been quite a significant liberalization of, of attitudes and um attempts to do this in 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 the laws um especially in the in the last decades it's focused on um kind of updating uh, equality laws to include um LGBTQ plus people um especially in terms of like marriage and adoption and these issues have been really and with abortion have been very controversial and one party which has profited from this is the um is the is the center party um which has never it's never become one of the largest parties but it's kind of maintained itself as a as a consistent presence um and around five seven percent of the vote um, and has always maintained a couple of seats in parliament and it has now been since the 2000s has been like participating in quite a number of governments that have involved the the right-wing parties um it's, it's now usually included in those governments it was included in the last one as well um has a very it's often very prominently associated with its uh its 
its leader, um, Yenis Savrana, who is a very prominent figure in the Faroe Islands. He was the culture minister in the last government um, and is, is known for his very strident, hardline, socially conservative um, kind of family values, um, in quotation marks, positions um, as well. Um, and so that has become another prominent party. Um, so the, the last one to mention um, is the Progress Party, which is kind of the newest one on the scene, um, which is a kind of economically liberal pro-independence party, um, economically and socially liberals. It's kind of um, it, it's kind of often a, a kind of counter to the centre party um, in a lot of, in a lot of places, um, which is also a bit of a a little bit of a um, at least it's previously a little bit of a one-man band. Um, this guy uh, Paul Mickelson, who was a People's Party politician, but but sort of broke away because he was a bit more liberal. Um, but he is also, yeah, an interesting character um, who was, he was a big, big businessman on the island, but also um, he basically holds the kind of national championship record for like basically every sport um, on the island and has represented the island in like for most sports as well um, in international competitions. Um, this is the thing, but now he became... Um, politician as well um and leads this little party which is is quite economically to the right but usually ends up um participating in governments with the with the left-wing parties so far um and obviously we don't it, it may do so again after this election it's not entirely clear um at this point but um it, it's a distinctive possibility i have a question for for both of you actually mm -hmm. so now that we're seeing the parties and we've already kind of talked about the constitutional setup is it more likely that smaller parliaments will form like um broad broad-based government are they more likely to cooperate across the aisle and form um yeah coalitions across across uh cleavages this is speculative of course this would require like you know long-term study or whatever but yeah you know. i mean i get why you might think that just because it's more likely that the MPs will know each other and be more on friendly terms. I mean, a lot of the, you get a lot of these like sort of small Pacific Island democracies are actually some of the few places which don't have parties and our democracies mm -hmm. don't have parties because when you get down to that scale, a lot of the functions of parties in terms of like aggregating interests and making government formation easier just don't apply when you're like 10 guys in a room like, you don't need yeah, well, there's some some of them are still quite polarized. I remember mm -hmm. there was an election in in Nauru, I think, mm -hmm. which only has a parliament of 18 people, all of whom are non-partisan, where they still managed to end up with deadlock because nine yeah. of them supported <laughs> one guy and one nine of them supported another. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming uh, back to don't make parliaments with even numbers. That's also a good rule. Yeah, yeah, particularly oh. if it's a small, particularly if it's a small one. Mm. Um, it's always good to have someone who can break a tie. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, what I would say is it's probably it's relatively unusual for have. Um, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but for really small places like this to have such a multi-party system, like it's mm. more common to be going with like we would expect that smaller societies would have like simpler party systems and have I, I think it i think it depends somewhere actually because my, my my guess would be that it depends somewhat on 
um, actually who the kind of former colonial um, leaders were, because I think the kind of small countries that have a kind of um, English or American inheritance, like Micronesia or Nauru, or, um, you know, you might argue the Isle of Man or um, the Channel Islands, um, I think are probably more likely to have kind of these non-partisan kind of parliaments. Mm -hmm. um, but, for example, when I think of like, so somewhere like the Dutch Antilles or Vanuatu or um, like I'm not huge. I don't, can't claim to be experts on any of these, but from like having pulled around, they all seem to be quite multi-party. Yeah, um, that's true, actually. Because the most obvious one that people go to is like Malta, which we have discussed on the podcast before, which is one of the, it's always a thing if you talk about the mm. the um the PR system which has two parties um this kind of thing and often yeah. you talk about its size being kind of influential in that yeah and I think size is influential but I think mm. the important thing about Malta is fundamentally that Malta has a very simple cleavage mm. um structure that is just that basically there's about half the country really likes the Labour Party and half the country really likes the Nationalist Party and there's basically mm. no there's basically next to no one in the middle um yeah, yeah. whereas the pharaohs in that regard yeah Not whereas just, the pharaohs yeah. have like two very clearly cross-cutting cleavages mm. left versus right and independence versus yeah anti-independence it's like yeah that. i mean so we have this obviously have very obviously you have these two these two um uh, constitutional cleavages, but then you also have a bit of, um, there are some ec economic differences in the pharaohs in terms of like, there's two different industries in terms of, there is a very large mm. kind of like farming sector and then a very large fishing sector and then there's a tourist sector, etc, which don't always have exactly the same interests as well and there's always been a bit of more of a kind of differences in kind of class interests and stuff, despite mm. the fact that it's still tiny um, basically as well uh yeah so yeah, yeah sorry yeah. I that answers your question at all andres but we've, we've talked a little bit about small small islands for a while <laughs> no 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 yeah. this is great yeah i mean i kind of feel like my, my gut instinct is probably that it matters less than other things at the very least um <laughs> like kind of what the society looks like um <laughs> institutions the fact that this is fundamentally it's a pretty proportional system probably helps mm -hmm. every more parties yeah. Um, it's a, um... mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. As the um uh as I heard from a lecturer, a professor at UCL throughout the semester, we are confused, but at a higher level now than before. We <laughs> <laughs> than before I asked the question. <laughs> oh good no that's excellent that's really interesting mm -hmm. so speaking mm -hmm. of cleavages parties and uh what makes them different and what makes them want to collaborate what they represent what were the cam what, what what was the campaign um about in the faroe islands what were the major issues yeah so well first of all it's probably good to talk about why there was because this is an election which is a year ahead of schedule um which is just and it, as as uh occurred because of this aforementioned um, controversial centre party. Um, this was in the government. So this has been, they've been the right have been in power since 2019. Um, before 2015, there was the, um, the, the left-wing parties had governed from 2015 to 2019 with um, Askel Johansson as the, as the prime minister, who was, who was a pretty 
has always been one of the most popular politicians in the Faroe Islands. Um, it's because you can measure this in terms of like personal votes under the open list system. He was always um, one of the top candidates there. Um, but his mm. coalition of parties lost in, in 2019. This centre-right party came in. Um, uh, somebody, God, um, I don't know how to pronounce the first name of this guy who's the, the prime minister. His surname is Steve Nielsen. Um, the... Uh, he is, um, was from the Union Party. Um, he was Prime Minister um, since 2019. Had a coalition, the Union Party, the People's Party, and the Centre Party. And they gave uh, Yenis Avrana the uh, culture and foreign affairs briefs. Um, obviously, again, mm. we're talking very small, so people double up on the uh, the cabinet positions quite mm. a lot. Um, he basically was probably unsurprisingly had made a kind of string of pretty homophobic comments at various points. Um, the one that was particularly, um, particularly kind of a, the sort of straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people was um, in the context of the Danish election, which was the Pharaohs participate in. Um, uh, Rana said that he wouldn't support the um, the Conservative Party leader in Denmark becoming prime minister, entirely um, mm. on the basis of the fact that he's gay. Um, and this was... Uh, Especially for the, the opposition parties, this was a kind of uh, this was a kind of breaking point, and they tabled a no confidence motion. Um, but before they could do this, uh, Stig Nielsen just sacked Rana. Um, to said it was unacceptable. You, you're going. Um, as a result of this, um, Rana pulled the centre party, which was remember is just him and one other guy. Um, because it's a two 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 member parliamentary caucus. Um, and pulled them out of the of the coalition, and this. Uh, left the government without majority um so they went for an, an early election under this concert under this uh in this context this was the mm. outcome yeah not particularly in doubt um i don't think the poll polls were pointing towards a pretty clear victory for the uh center-left party especially quite a uh a, a large win for the, the social democrats so a bit of a comeback for Johansson um under this mm. um but yeah the 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 campaign was uh, not so much brought around the issue of kind of Rana's comments, really. Um, but the uh, the key the key issues were obviously the inflation issue, which is the issue everywhere in Europe um, at the moment and here as well. Um, it's not great for a government to be running in a time when there is really high inflation and people are finding that they are paying mm. more for, for stuff. Um, the uh, the kind of issue of abortion, which has become quite a perennial issue now in Faroes as well, whether the laws should be loosened or tightened um, as well has, has, was, was quite prominent. But one of the most notable things was the uh, was actually the island's relationships with Russia um, in the context of the war with Ukraine, um, which possibly wouldn't think was going to be one, given that this is a tiny island many 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 miles from ukraine um but the pharaoh's economy is quite linked to russia it, the pharaoh's economy is primarily based around fishing for which their major exporter market is russia um and to which they have a uh, contracts which they renew on an annual basis um and are quite vital these days for the, the for the fishing industry so this is obviously has provoked um quite a lot of um a lot of dispute about whether these contracts should go ahead um and 
the uh, in the context of the of the war in Ukraine, in the context of where uh, the overall Danish government and also the Greenlandic government have been quite quite hard on on putting in uh, sanctions and stuff on on Russia. Um, that the the islands were under a lot of pressure um, to not renew these contracts anymore um, as well, and the the parties have been on the whole pretty um, it kind of not particularly clear on whether they want to um, want to maintain these or not because this is a huge dilemma for any politician in the Faroe Islands because on the one hand yes do want to be doing that bit and uh, kind of uh, putting pressure on Russia. But on the other hand, this uh, most a lot of voters in the Faroe Islands will either be in the fishing industry or will be the family members, etc., of people who are in the fishing industry. And this was going to be just talking about a real terms hit to their incomes and possibly their jobs, etc. Mm. Uh, on this one, so the uh, quite notably, the People's Party came out quite in um, came out in favour of renewing the contracts. Um, as well, and I'm kind of staked there. The other parties didn't really have too much of a strong stance on it, although Republic was kind of known to be um, a, a quite a bit more in favour of um, of possibly cancelling the contracts, and this is one of the reasons why we would not expect some kind of um, pro-independence unity front to be kind of emerging as well, that this was a point of contention between them as well. Um, but yeah, this, this, this was an issue which they kind of was... All around the election campaign, but the parties just were like constantly trying to hedge their bets and, and trying to avoid, um, for yeah. the most part, uh, talking about because it's this is really, yeah. And just, just a note for a second as well. Um, the People's Party held the finance ministry in the last government, so I think for that, re- and their specifically their leader, um, held it. Um, so I think for that reason. They probably kind of had to take a stance because obviously, mm-hmm. therefore, he he yeah. would have had to have an official policy um, in government on what he was planning to do about um, yeah. the contract. Yeah, and the, the, everyone else because yeah, everyone else has a chance to kind of have some ambiguity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and obviously mm-hmm. that was not enough to not to be a nice brief to hold at this point as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Not just for this reason, but also because of the fact that the. Of, uh, of kind of inflation concerns um, means that mm. the People's Party ended up being the party which uh, lost the most um, in this election as well. They actually lost lost two seats, which in Faroese terms is uh, quite a significant uh, quite a significant loss of of, of seats um, as well. Uh, so they've uh, they kind of dropped down quite a bit um, in the in this election um, in this election as well. Um, it, even more so than the Union Party, which was the party which actually held the um, the Prime Minister's seat uh, position going in. Um, and they've actually gone from the uh, being the largest party in 2019 to the to the uh, third largest party um, in this election as well. Um, so that's that's quite a setback um, for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, so I was looking at the at the results there weren't massive changes in terms of like uh the overall number of seats gained or lost mm. right um although yeah how much how much are two seats when it's a 33 seat um parliament yeah this two seats represents quite a large shift in 33 seats but also it means that it it is it probably it takes quite a a reasonable 
shift in your vote percentage to change your seats number in mm. any kind of so it changes in the votes like often will not it are gonna the seats are gonna be less sensitive than in a bigger parliament to changes in the vote share a little bit. Um so you can lose a couple of percentage points maybe in some cases and and not um not change your seat totals, uh, which is what happened to Republic fell back a little bit, fell back about um a point or so um percentage wise and didn't lose any seats um on that. Um but yeah to they, but the yeah, to, to, to that that's been seen as quite a significant defeat for them losing two seats, and it also is quite a impressive result for the Social Democrats. So I believe the twenty seven percent of the vote that they won is actually the largest for Ferrari's party since the nineteen nineties. Um, it's quite a they're quite a reasonable bit larger now than the next largest party, which was the Union Party with around twenty percent of the vote. Um, so yeah, so they 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 they've they've really done quite well out of this and that there's kind of no doubt that they're going to be leading the uh leading the next government um it, it, at all um it's just more of a question of of what government that they will lead um they I feel like they which is probably something we should mention before the the end as well but there is uh maybe taking the lead uh, a bit of a a bit of a leaf out of the uh the, the current the Danish politics um in this out of the book out of the Danish government book in that they've which which has just formed this kind of novel cross block kind of coalition that they have been mooted several times that they could form a government with the Union Party um on the centre right um which you see is is a, a reasonably moderate economically but also shares their pro union position that this could be something that they could go for but. Uh, Johansson has also said that he's he's very open and still thinks it's pretty possible that they could do a, a kind of more classic government deal with uh, with progress with the republic. Sorry, um, and uh, this kind of classic left wing coalition, probably which would also include Progress Party as well, which has done very well in this election as well. It's actually gained gained a seat, um, gained nearly eight percent of the vote, uh, which is pretty good um, for them. Uh, and so the, the, that's that's the other kind of possible. Uh, government alternative that we've got going here um, as well. Um, also say that the the centre party has um, it, it doesn't seem to have been affected by the uh, by the controversy over its leaders uh, over its leaders' comments and the fact that it's been responsible for collapsing the government. Um, it's th- those things may be unpalatable to m- most most of the political spectrum, but their supporters. Uh, do not seem to mind, and probably uh, it's not actually really done them. Um, uh, probably done them quite a bit of a favour in terms of consolidating the support. I would expect. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, so those are those are the results, I guess. Um, unfortunately, this is not well reported on, so we do not know entirely what's going on. But yeah, we will. Uh, I'm sure we'll check back in when there is a government um, in place. Awesome. Yeah, we could, I mean, you could provide a, an update uh, mm-hmm. for next episode if, if there's any news out of the Faroe Islands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Okay. Cool. Any final comments or should we wrap it up here? No. no. I think we're good. Yeah. Good. I think we're good. There's a really cool episode coming up after this one, mm-hmm. um, which is the 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 year in, in review. Mm-hmm. Chance to talk about our favorite and least favorite elections. Um, mm. That's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Um, yeah. 
and we've crossed the 100 episode mark. We crossed it yeah. a while ago, so we have a yeah. We, we should have mentioned the archive to look back at. Yeah, we've been doing this for we just we passed two years recently as well which we also just didn't mention at all um but yeah this is kind of this will be the third year in review that we we do which is quite um which is quite a bit of a yeah. milestone actually i'm quite pleased that we've we've made it to this point um what was a, a just a a um i'm sat alone in the pandemic kind of hobby that started off um but yeah it's been, it's been really good right. yeah yeah so i i think we do deserve a pat on our backs um <laughs> it's pretty cool that, that <laughs> we've gone this far I'm yeah. so happy about it. I would like listeners to know that Andres did just literally buy himself on the back. <laughs> it did. Oh, yes. Maybe you can hear the pad. All right. Um, see everyone uh, next week, then. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.